Amen. Amen. My goodness, it's good to see you today. You look good. You sound good. Not positive whether or not you smell good, but I'll take your word for it and assume that you do. Amen. Thank you, Christian. Appreciate that. Oh, it's so good to be with you today. Life Group started this past week, and they were phenomenal. Um, I, I know Wednesday night in my group, I walked in with a very small agenda of a lesson, uh, of, a, of a study that I wanted to go into, and then we got to talking, and before you knew it, an hour and a half had passed, and I hadn't done anything I was going to do, and it was fantastic. That's how I like it. So this week, I'm just going to show up and see what happens, and then we'll probably just stare at each other for an hour and a half with nothing to say. But, you know, we'll have fun regardless. And then I know uh, it was at Friday night, I believe, Lindsay and Don leading our foodie group. Uh, over 50 people coming to hang out for that. What is up? Listen, there weren't 50 people here in 2017 when we started Pastor in Lifehouse. That's, I mean, like, I'm not even joking about that. That was, that's phenomenal. So just so thankful for you joining life groups and being part of what the Lord is doing. And listen, Sunday mornings are great. And, and honestly, they're my favorite. But without uh, community, and listen, community can't happen in a room like this. Community has to happen around tables. Community has to happen when instead of, it, it rather, rows, we need to be able to look at one another, not just looking at me, right? And so I want to encourage you, if you have not signed up for a life group yet, it is not too late. Sign up today. Get involved. Uh, hang out. Listen, I promise you, you will be blessed as a result of it. And, you know, so many people, they show up to church, and then they, they come for a few months, and then they leave, and you ask them why they left, and they say, well, you know, I just didn't really get plugged in. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you're, you're a, you're a grown-up. You have to plug yourself in, okay? <laughs> Listen, you know, I mean, I'm so, I don't want to sound rude about it, and my heart is certainly not in, in a condemn, uh, condemning in nature, but I'm just here to tell you, nobody's going to do for you what you should and could do for yourself, okay? So, so get, get involved today. Join a life group. Join a few life groups. How many of you guys in page? Y'all are in like 12 life groups? I don't even know if we've got 12, but if we did, they'd be in all of them just about. But yeah, go ahead and get your Bible open to Romans chapter 1. I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to go to verse 1. Romans chapter 12. Several weeks ago, we started this series, Rhythms. And I'm just going to say up front, I hope if this series of messages has been as beneficial for you as it has been for me, I think, I think you're doing all right. Uh, I just, I, I was talking with... Uh, I think it was Rachel before church, and she, she said something about the message, and I said, listen, when I tell you, and I do it often, when I tell you, hey, as I was preparing this week, I had to work through these things myself, and, and I am growing and hearing from the Lord alongside you, I promise you I mean that. I promise you that is not uh, lip service. That is not some way to just try to make you feel like I care more about this message. That is the honest-to-goodness truth, and so... I hope that they have been in some wise as beneficial for you as they have me because they really have uh, been beneficial for me. A few weeks ago, we talked about the rhythm of prayer. And I, I hope today, listen, I hope that your prayer life is, is better today than it was this time last year. And, and if it's not, here's, here's some really good news. 
If it is not, if you are not consistently spending time with the Lord each and every day, and listen, until you decide to make that not a weekly priority, not a whenever I think about it priority, but an everyday priority, you will not grow to the potential that you truly have in Christ Jesus, okay? And so if your prayer life is still not what it should be, the good news for you is there is grace and there is a new day. And today is the day of salvation, thus says the Lord, according to the scripture. So so just make up your mind right now that, hey, I'm going to place a greater emphasis on my prayer life starting in this moment. And I'm going to spend time with the Lord each and every day. You may not can spend 50 minutes, but I bet you you can spend five. And if you cannot afford to spend five minutes alone in the Lord's presence, you really need to rethink your schedule. And you need to work through that. And then a few uh, weeks, or the next week, we talked about the rhythm of stewardship. After that, we talked about the rhythm of community. And I just kind of hit on that one, right? And then uh, last week, we talked about the rhythm of serving. Now, today I want to talk about the rhythm of worship. Now, I almost preached this message before the message on worship because I believe that serving can only be birthed from worship. But what often happens is that many people try to substitute service for worship. And what they, in essence, have done is they have made what they do for God in an idol over who God is. Did that track? So, So what often can happen in our lives is we idolize essentially ourselves thinking that we, have, that we are doing something for the Lord. And, and, and in fact, you are. But how many of you understand today that the Lord does not need you to do for him? The fact that we get to do for the Lord is a privilege and an honor for ourselves. God does not look around and go, my goodness, what am I going to do? I sure do need a Chad, or I sure do need an Ayana. He, he, he does not have a need. Uh, according to how he revealed himself to Moses in the book of Exodus, we read, he, he says, my name is I am that I am. In other words, he is 100% totally self-sufficient, right? He has no need of anything. So, but what often happens in our lives, in order to validate ourselves, to feel better about ourselves, we substitute serving for worship. And instead of adoring our Father, we actually commit the sin of idolatry because we think we are a big shot because we're doing something really important and really special. In other words, let me say like this, serving does not produce worship, but worship will always produce serving. So today we're talking about embracing the rhythm of worship. Paul says this. I'm going to read this in three different translations. The Greek here in the original language, as Paul writes his letter to the Romans, is rather tricky. And this is a verse that if you read it in multiple translations, you will almost have some different nuances in each translation that you read it in. So this is how it is worded in the New Living Translation. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The NIV says it this way, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your true and proper 
worship. You see, same, saying the same thing, but there's nuances. There's words that are ever so slightly different. And then here is the translation that I memorized it in many, many years ago. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Come on. Anybody ever beseeched any brethren, you know? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now, here's where we see our slight deviation from our other two translations. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. Now, go back to the NLT, if you would, for me, Josiah. You see, the last line says... Of that, this is truly the way to worship him. Go to the NIV for me, if you would, Josiah. This is your true and proper worship. Now go back to the NKJV. This is your reasonable service. Can I just tell you, a lot of people get really up in arms over differences in Bible translations. And let me just, let me just calm it down for a moment right here. There is not a, there, there, none of these translations are wrong. And none of them are necessarily absolutely correct because the Greek language is an extraordinarily complicated language. And to translate it into English, just like if you translate any other language into English or English into any other language, leaves room for different interpretations of similar words and sentence structures. And so what I love so much, and we are so blessed in in the United States and and English-speaking people living in 2023, is that we have access to dozens and dozens of different English translations that have been translated by teams and teams of scholars who have devoted their entire lives to studying biblical languages and interpreting them and translating them so that English-speaking people can read the Word of God, can, can have the Word of God make its home in their heart. So listen, please don't take the Bible for granted. Amen. Come on, let, let, let's, let's take advantage of what we have. So, so all of these translations and all of the way these are worded are actually correct. In fact, I would submit to you, I think they complement one another. Because they give us a fuller view of what Paul, by being led by the Holy Spirit, is trying to say to to the church at Rome in in, in 48 AD, as well as to the church in Oak Ridge on February 5th, 2023. I think it's the 5th. I know January lasted a whole year by itself. (laughs) So let's ask this question. What is... Worship. If we want to understand worship, if we want to embrace a life of worship and to live and to embrace the rhythm of worship, then, then we first have to ask ourselves the question, what is worship? Now, let me just tell you from the get-go, most people get this question wrong because they think that what we just did was, and, and it is, but they assume that what we just did is worship and therein lies the end of the definition of worship. It means, oh, you said lift hands. Okay, I lift hands. And now I'm going to sing and I'm going to praise. And that is worship. And, and the truth is that is worship, but that's not all that worship is. Yeah. I, I heard this definition several years ago when I was in Bible college. And it says this, worship is a continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I ever hope to be in light of a chosen God. 
Worship is a continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I ever hope to be in light of a chosen God. Now you'll notice that, well, they're all in caps up there. That's funny. Oh, there it goes. Okay, good. Yeah, the, the G in God for many is capitalized, but for many it is also lowercase because some worship God Almighty and some have made an idol God for themselves to worship. And so what happens is the object of your worship becomes the source of your purpose. The object of your, I think it's worth repeating. And listen, I don't tell you this often, but I'm going to tell it to you today. If, if, if you take notes, or even if you don't take notes, today is the day to take some notes. Because this will help you. This will help transform your perspective. And honestly, this will help you. And here, here's my prayer for you throughout this entire series. Is that you would go all in with God. Because so many of you are sticking your toe in the water of what it means to follow Jesus. When in fact, the only way you can truly follow Jesus is if you just jump in head first. Or feet first, I guess, because I wouldn't jump in head first in a pool either. The object of our worship becomes the source of our purpose. So, so for many people, they worship possessions. And, and, and so in that, in that light, what they own is what gives them purpose. Or how much money they have is what gives them purpose. Many, many people worship popularity. And let me tell you something, friend. Worshiping popularity is just not for the junior high or high school student. There are many 40, 30, 50-something-year-old people that are still worshiping the God of popularity because they live their lives consumed and concerned only with what others think of them. And that's what gives them purpose. If people like me, if people approve of me, if I have friends, that, that, then they're in, that is my God and now I have purpose in my life because I have been approved by people. So many people worship possessions, many people worship popularity, many people worship pleasure. What I feel gives me purpose. Man, I'm so sick of, of everybody saying this is what I feel. I am so sick and tired of hearing about people's feelings because feelings, listen, feelings are great indicators. Feelings are great, are, are great indicators of where we are in life. But anybody who, who, is, who is matured uh, past the, the age, and I don't mean chronologically, I mean matured past the age of about 28, has learned that feelings may serve as great indicators, but they are terrible leaders. How many times have you heard me say from this platform that if I did everything I wanted to do, everything I felt like doing, my life would be terrible? Can I just tell you, for those of here, those of you who were here when we preached the stewardship, stewardship message, and I, I told you, hey, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight because I want to be a better steward of my body. I'm almost down 10 pounds, right? Yeah. Listen, almost. Listen, I, I dropped six pounds like that. But after that, listen, guys, I need some help. Y'all need to intercede for me to the Lord. <laughs> and, and every night, I feel, like last night, I said, there, there's a box of Frosted Flakes in our pantry. I feel like eating Frosted Flakes, guys. <laughs> Drenched in whole milk. Don't give me that fake milk. I don't want that water that's lined pretending to be milk. I'm talking about milk, y'all. I feel like eating Frosted Flakes. I feel like eating Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I feel, come on, I feel the Lord in this place today. But I'm not, I, I can't do what I feel because what I feel will not get me where I want to go. 
And obviously, we're talking about food, we're talking about weight, but that applies to so many avenues of our life, right? So, so people, they make a God out of pleasure, and so they, they do what they want to do because it's what they feel like doing, and that is what gives them purpose. And then many people make a God out of power. What I accomplish is what gives me purpose. What I'm able to do is what gives me meaning. And so let me say it like this. What you worship will dictate how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, and how you spend your money. What you worship will dictate how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, and how you spend your money. My pastor used to say this. He said, show me your bank account and show me your calendar, and I will tell you who your God is. Show me your bank account, show me your calendar, and I'll tell you who your God is. People worship sex, people worship money. Listen, we live in the age where people worship their children. Can I just tell you how unhealthy that is? Not just for you, but it's also terribly unhealthy for your children because you are putting on them a weight that they are not capable of bearing. People worship their job. People worship their phones. People worship social media. And again, let me say, what you worship will influence your decisions. It will influence your reactions. It will influence your relationships. It will dictate your life. Because what you worship becomes the object of your purpose. When we worship God, and that's, that's the goal, right? To worship God. He becomes our source. Amen? He becomes the one who dictates how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, how we spend our money. And he becomes the one who influences our decisions, our reactions, and our relationships. In other words, he is the one who becomes the one that gives our life purpose and meaning. Let me say it like this. The greatest and most generous thing the Lord can do for you is to help you direct your worship towards him because he is the only being worthy of your worship. He is the only one who can actually handle your worship and he is the only object of worship that will not eventually let you down and fail you. And so to say, why is God so fixated on him being worshiped? It's not because God needs our worship. Let me just clear that up right now. Again, to reference what we said earlier, he is the I am that I am. He is not in need of anything that I have to offer, but he loves me enough to to have influence in my life to say, Drew, if you will worship me, if you will go all in with me, listen, I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who knows you better than you. And I speak as God. I am the greatest good there is. So if you will make me the object of your worship, the object of your obsession, the object of your pursuit, that's where you will find fulfillment. That's where you will find joy. That's where you will find purpose and that's where you will find meaning. So it's not selfish of God for God to say, worship me. It is nothing but generous, loving, caring, and kind. Because he is the greatest good. And when we choose sin, Can I tell you that worship doesn't stop? It just changes direction. Because you're always worshiping something. 
When we choose sin, worship doesn't stop. It just changes direction. And that's where those little G gods come into place. And those little G gods will always let us down. They will always wind up hurting us in the long run. And often they will cause us to hurt others. But the one true God will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what worship is. So, so, so why do we worship? I love how the New King James says it. Paul says this is your reasonable service. In essence, what he is saying there is, if you go back to the verse, in, in view of God's mercies or in light of all that God has done for you, give yourself as a living sacrifice to him for this is your reasonable service. Let me say it like we would talk. Listen, God has been so good to me. He has saved me from so much. He has blessed me so abundantly. It only makes sense that I return myself to him because he is worth it. He is worthy. He is good. He is holy. And since he's been so good to me, it only makes sense that I would in turn give my worship to him. Paul says, I will offer myself as a living sacrifice. Because worship, worship is not a song. I, I love, I thank God, the song. I love champion. I love you are holy. But can I tell you that, that singing a song is not worship? At least, it's not all that worship is. A playlist on your Spotify or Apple Music account that's labeled worship is not worship. Anybody got one of those? I got three different ones, okay? But that's not worship. At least not in and of itself. Because worship is not an adjective to describe something. Worship is not a set time during church. Worship is not just what happens at 9 and 11 a.m. at Lifehouse Church or 10 a.m. at some other church. These are all forms of worship. Or let me say it like this. These are all tools that help us in worship. But worship itself, to truly worship the Lord, is a way of life. It is a commitment to say, God, all that I am, right, all that I ever hope to be, all that I do, I give to you. That is what worship really is. And so from this perspective, if, if the object of your worship is the big G God, right, then, then everything at least has the potential to be worship. Because God-oriented worship, you can write this one down, God-oriented worship occurs when something God created does the thing God created it to do. God, I'm going to say it again, even though it's God-oriented worship occurs when something God created does something God created it to do. So I built, I, I, I got back into woodworking this year. I, I used to do it a little bit, and, and, and so I kind of got back into it this year since material prices have gone down. And so I built for my wife, per her request, this kitchen shelf hutch thing. I don't even know what to call it. A hutch, okay, yeah. And it sits in our dining room, kitchen, living room 
thing where they all become one in the classic Oak Ridge houses, if you know what I'm talking about. And can I just tell you, I walk into the house and I often look at that thing with pleasure, right? I look at it and I go, mm-hmm, I did that. Now listen, it's not perfect. And nobody knows how more imperfect it is than me, okay? Okay, like I, I see where, the, where, the, where the, the seams and the spaces don't line up. I see where, you know, I didn't fill in a screw hole or I didn't fill in a nail hole. I see where I should have sanded this better. I see the paint drips. I see all of that. But I still look at it and I go, you know what, I made that. And, and its number one purpose in its existence is to hold our toaster oven and protein powder and frosted flakes. Right? That's, that is its existence. That is its purpose in, in its life, right? And, and so, in essence, I is its creator. I get pleasure from it because it is simply doing what I created it to do. You, you follow? So, so, like, if I can get a little existential with you right now. A flower, oh, come on, that, that blooms in the wild, even when nobody ever sees it or notices it or knows that it even exists. Can I tell you, Irby, that that flower is worshiping God because it is doing what God, its maker, designed and created it to do. Come on, a sunset. Listen, I know know I'm getting a little funny right now, but just listen to me because this is truth. A sunset declares, come on. This is scripture, you guys. This is what David said in Psalm 19. When the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. And so when something in nature does the thing that God created it to do, it is worshiping the Lord because God-oriented worship happens when something that God created does the thing that God created it to do. And so can I just tell you, you don't just worship when you come to church and lift your hands and sing praise and worship songs. If you have committed your life to Jesus, everything is worship. Everything becomes an offering to him as you say, God, since you gave your life for me, the least I can do is give my life back to you. And then as you live your life, as you go throughout your day filled by the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus as you follow him, you worship God, not just when you pray, not just when you read your Bible, not just when you sing a praise and worship song, not even when you just share your faith, but when you take your kids to school. When you prepare dinner for your family. When you go to your job and you give your best effort. Because I'm not going to offer something to the Lord that costs me nothing, right? And last week we talked about how Paul said, anything you do for man, do it as unto the Lord because he's the one you're really living for. He's the one you're really working for. So when I go to work or when you go to work, we're going to do our best, not because we want to get a raise or because we want to be noticed, but because we realize that everything is worship. And I'm not going to give crap to Jesus, right? I'm going to give him my best. I'm going to give him everything I've got. I'm not going to offer him leftovers. I'm not going to offer him second best. I'm going to give him the best I've got to give. 
So when you, when you do these simple things, when you go to school, come on, students, and you are preparing yourself for your next stage of life, you are worshiping the Lord. When you spend time with your friends and your family and you invest in those relationships and you share laughter and you share times of joy as well as times of sorrow, you are submitting your life as worship to the Lord. Hey, Derek, listen, when you go play golf and you enjoy fellowship and you have, and, and Chad, when you go fishing and you enjoy nature and you enjoy what God has created, when you go to the movies and you have fun and you laugh, when you go work out and you take care of your body, whatever it is that you do as you do so submitted to the Holy Spirit you are living a life of worship according to Paul holy and acceptable unto him that is our reasonable service that is what worship is it's so much more than a song it's so much more than a hand clap of praise it's so much more than lyrics on a wall. It is the way you live your life, not on Sunday from 9 to 1030, but every single day of the week and every single thing that you do and every single interaction that you have. And that's what it looks like, my friends, to go all in with God and say everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, it belongs to you, to be led by you. And so we create a rhythm of worship in our life by, number one, pursuing his presence every single day. We pursue his presence every single day. Here's the deal. Everything could and should be worship, but not everything is always worship. So, so there's a story in the New Testament, in the book of Luke, it says as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. So you've been so busy, right? You get so busy doing the life that you forget to acknowledge the one who gave you the life. Can I, does, that, does that follow? And so, so, so we have this story. And most of you who have been to church have heard this story. Those of you who haven't, here you go. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. See, as I said as we began this message, serving is a product of worship, but serving is a replacement for worship is idolatry. So if you go and you do the things in your life that you have to do, but you don't acknowledge the one who gave you the life to do the things you have to do, in essence, you're committing idolatry in that moment because you are worshiping the activity instead of adoring the one who gave you the strength, the power, and the life to perform the activity. I've heard it said like this, activity is often the enemy of adoration. And labor, in other words, work without intimacy will not produce fruit. So we pursue his presence every single day. Every single day. You're not too busy to spend time with the Lord. If you are, you need to readjust and reprioritize and reschedule your life. 
every single day. It doesn't matter if you're a morning person. Who cares what kind of person you are? You have been made new in Christ Jesus. You know what kind of person you are? You're whoever God says you are. You're not what your personality profile dictates you are. You're not your Enneagram number. You are not your disc profile. Who gives a rib what Myers-Briggs says? You are who God says you are. You are not the product of your mother and your father. You are the product of heaven's throne. Number two, we prepare for and participate in gathered worship. Because gathered worship, while it is not the only way we worship, it is an incredibly important part of how we worship. So I want to encourage you. I've said stuff like this almost every week, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Make church a priority. Just as you would make pursuing his presence daily a priority, make submitting your life the first day of the week for an hour and a half to two hours a priority. Protect, I want to encourage you, protect your calendar. Listen, this world will give you every reason to occupy your Sundays and your Wednesdays and your life group nights. Listen, they, the world is, does not give a rip about how you have decided to live your life and to make Jesus first of your life. And so everything you can imagine will come up and say, listen, this is more important. But I want to encourage you right now, and, and going all in with Jesus, just make up your mind that, hey, these days, these are the Lord's. This is time I spend with fellow believers. This is time where I gather with other believers and we worship the Lord together. And, and that is, just, just make up your mind right now that those other, the, the other days of the week, hey, listen, if something wants to come up then, then that's fine. But Sunday, Wednesday, whatever day, that is reserved for the Lord. That is reserved for time with his, with his people. Now, I know this is not popular preaching. People don't like this because they feel like you're getting all up in their business. But I just have a question for you. Do you want the truth or do you want me to make you feel better? I'm not here to, to, to pat you on the rear end and say, good game. I'm here to kick you in the butt and say, come on, let's go all in. Have you looked at the world around us lately? You know what they are craving? They are not craving an easy to follow Jesus. They are craving a real Jesus. And in order for us to give them a real Jesus, we have to stop playing patty cake with the power of the cross and make up our mind that we will either give him all or we will walk away and give him none. My wife, she was a volleyball player in high school. And she's a, those of you who don't know, she's a pastor's daughter. Now, before you say that stupid crap about how PKs are always the worst, and I bust you in the lip <laughs> as the father of three of them. And listen, I will fight. I'm talking about I will repent later. <laughs> I don't even know if I'll need to repent. I think the Lord's like, I get it. You're good. <laughs> Don't, tell, don't, don't spew that trash over my family. As I was saying, growing up in a pastor's home, I, I, would, I would submit to you she turned out okay. Honestly, and I, and I, I tell her this, and, and, and I mean this, she isn't perfect, but she's the best person I know. And when she was in high school, she was told by her volleyball coach to her and to her parents who were hoping that she would get an academic or a, 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 an athletic scholarship to college because of volleyball. He said, if you really, if that's what you really want, she's going to have to play travel league. And if she plays travel league, she's going to be busy Sundays and most Wednesdays. Yeah. And, and you know what her father said? He said, well... 
I'm paraphrasing because I don't know exactly what he said. Let me, let me, this isn't what he said, but let me tell you what he meant. He said, well, I tell you what, if we will make the Lord first, maybe, maybe even quote what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Make him the priority. And the Lord Jesus himself makes the promise to us, and I will add all these things unto you. I'd say she turned out okay. She's not playing professional volleyball, but she is a part every single week of helping people find Jesus and helping them grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. She's a fantastic mother. She's the best wife I've ever had, right? That was funny. Protect your calendar. Make church a priority. Prepare for, for gathered worship. Let me say it like, let me say it another way. On Saturday night, just make up your mind to like, hey, I'm going to bed early. Can I just be like really practical with you? Has anybody in this room ever invited me to do something with them Saturday night? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. You know why? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And I want to make sure that when I get myself up on Sunday morning, I give him my very best. Also, I have three kids who'd like to keep me up anyway. <laughs> So I better get sleep while the getting sleep is good, right? Get good rest the night before. Come expecting because I believe that holy expectation births holy visitation. Listen, if you walk into this building and you're just like, whatever, I don't care. Well, you know, obviously I don't think you would have that outward attitude, but some of you do. But if you walk in like that, can I just tell you, like, I, just go home. Now listen, if you don't know the Lord and you're walking in and you're desperate, like, come on in, man. We got, we got room for you. But I'm talking about these people who say, yeah, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but your face doesn't know it and your attitude doesn't know it and your lifestyle doesn't know it. No, go home. You go repent so that what you bring in this building adds to what we have. It doesn't take it away. Prepare for and participate in gathering worship. Number three. Absorb distractions with gratitude. Absorb distractions with gratitude. In life, interruptions will occur, right? Come on, things will happen that you did not plan for. Kids will get sick. Tires will go flat. Phone, I mean, you know, the list could go on and on and on and on. And it's so easy to allow those distractions to dictate how we behave and respond for the rest of the day, sometimes the rest of the week, sometimes the rest of the month. But when they happen, take them as opportunities and, and just accept the fact that the Lord is redirecting your steps for that day. And the day is still holy and acceptable to him, right? The day, that day is still worship to the Lord. And on Sundays, listen, kids will be loud. Let's get real quiet real quick so we can hear them. Of course, they're not being loud right now. They're going to be loud sometimes. Listen, I want them to be loud because I want them to go all in. But instead of being distracted by that, rejoice in the fact that we have a vibrant and, and, and awesome kids ministry where our kids are being taught the word of God, where they're being loved on by the Holy Spirit, where they're being loved on by leaders and, and where they're experiencing worship and where they're experiencing praise in a way that communicates to them. Listen, 
So, so we absorb those distractions with gratitude. Listen, it never happens, but if the worship team were to have an off day, right, and, and Don's a little hoarse over here, and Ayana uh, misses the note, she goes flat, right? Never happens, though. Or, or Marshall back there playing the acoustic, and a string pops, and you hear dong during the middle of a song, which has happened to me before. I never, uh, yeah, it's happened to you too, right? It's not good. It's not fun. Listen, when those kinds of things happen, do not allow the distractions to dictate the heart and the, uh, and the intensity of your worship, but just just be thankful for the opportunity to, to worship with other believers with, with equipment and leaders and sound systems and, and media team personnel that all that they do getting here at sometimes it's before 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings to, to set the stage literally so that we can walk in and don't have to go do a bunch of stuff but we can just lift hands and worship the Lord. Yeah. Right? So we absorb those with gratitude and then number five or number my numbers are messed up. The next one. <laughs> Commit to offer a sacrifice of worship. I edited it and trimmed this message down so often. My numbers are jacked up. I sent it to Don Tuesday or something like that. And he said, good luck. <laughs> preaching that whole message. He was very encouraging. So I trimmed it down a lot. So if you think it's long, just remember it was a lot longer earlier this week. So number four, we commit to offer a sacrifice of worship. Listen, worship is not a feeling. Worship is a choice. Worship is not goosebumps. Worship is not tears. Worship is not excitement. Worship is a choice. Worship is a posture of your heart. And worship is a sacrifice. In fact, throughout scripture, worship is most often typified as a sacrifice. And what does Paul say? Put Romans 12.1 on the screen again for me, if you will. Josiah. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do you know what that means? It means that I choose to die to my preferences. I choose to die to my priorities. I, I choose to die to the things that would want to detract and distract me from the singular object of my worship. That is my heavenly Father. So, so if the worship is not what you thought it should be... I, Listen, and I don't mean this in a negative way, and if you've ever said this to me, understand I'm not talking about you, but I've heard it said so many times in so many different churches by so many well-intentioned Christians, oh, I just couldn't worship today. The, the music wasn't really my style. No, you did worship today. You worshiped yourself because you allowed your preferences to dictate your praise. And in essence, you made yourself your own God. Because if you didn't like it, then you weren't going to be part of it. I'm, that's the best thing I've said the whole sermon. And now y'all being quiet on me. Because if I allow how I feel, I'm talking, oh, you woke up tired. Listen, if you got kids, you just stay tired. You should know that by now. And if you don't have kids and you used to have kids, you're older and you just, you're tired all the time too, right? I woke up tired. I just don't feel like worshiping today. Oh, you are worshiping. You're just worshiping yourself. 
You're worshiping though. Because worship doesn't stop. It just changes directions. So if we, if we allow how we feel to dictate our worship, <clears throat> then we just became our own gods, right? Little G gods. Oh, I don't like this song. This, you know, I like, I like redback hymnals. You know what? You don't want to hear it. Spoiler alert. I like redback hymnals too. But you, you want to know something else? It don't matter. I don't care if you're singing off a wall or out of a book or from what you've memorized. It doesn't matter because all that, it's like a wrench. It's like a hammer, right? When I was building that cabinet, I used a, I used a screwdriver. I used a saw. And those were nothing more than tools to get the desired product that I had in mind. That's what the song is. That's what the music is. It is a tool that helps us, that aids us, that, that, that gives us assistance as we worship. But if it becomes the object of our worship, we might as well go home and do something else because we're not worshiping God anyway. Because if I worship based on how I feel, then I have become a God to myself. And when we choose to worship, I'm talking all in. I'm talking, I'm going to give God my best. Not just on a Sunday morning, but in every area of my life. I'm going to give God my best. Things in your life will begin to change. Because to worship God is to change. Because that's when His Spirit touches your spirit. And my friend, that is when heaven begins to invade earth. And that's when, that's when new life is born. And I heard an author say this. He said, if worship does not propel us to superior obedience, to increased fulfillment, to greater levels of peace and joy, it has not been true worship. Because in true worship, our eyes become so fixated on who he is that we begin to forget all that we are not. In true worship, our eyes become so fixated on who he is, we forget all that we are not. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to invite everyone, if you would, to just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a few moments. And I'm going to ask you, right here and now, I won't belabor this, but I just want to know so I can pray for you. If you are far from the Lord, either you've never given your life to Jesus or you have and you've walked away from that relationship and you would say today, Pastor Drew, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to go all in with him. Would you just lift your hand high in the air so I can pray with you right where you are? I see you, ma'am. I see you, sweetie. Anybody else? I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. Three ladies, is there any, anybody else? Thank you, Jesus, for these three amazing ladies. Church as a body, can we just pray this together? Heavenly Father, I give you my life as worship unto you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new again. I want to live for you in all that I do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate these three individuals? Now, real quick, for everybody in the room, including those that just raised their hand, 
Who's ready to embrace the rhythm of worship, to live a life of worship? Would you lift your hand? Come on, let me pray over you. And then we're going to baptize some, some believers in Christ. Isn't that going to be awesome? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I offer myself to you. Come on. You, we offer ourselves to you, all that I am, all that I do. Come on. Let's put that on the screen. Sorry, Josiah. And all that I ever hope to be belongs to you. My hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my thoughts, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my talent, my opportunities, I surrender all. May your will be done in me and through me today and every day. Come on, let's celebrate.